Hey, Bible Stormers, and welcome back to the latest episode of your favorite once-a-month theology podcast put out by a guy named Daniel. So, high bar there. <laughs> no, but glad to have all of y'all back. And, you know, this is just going to be a quick episode. I just wanted to hop on here and give some thoughts, some concluding thoughts about our little series that we've done lately about honor and shame cultures and what that has to do with how we interpret the Bible and how we understand the gospel and specifically atonement. And when we talk about atonement, actually a really good way of thinking about it is the, uh, you might might have heard it before, the popular at-one-ment, the etymology of our English word atonement is actually a pretty good way of understanding the concept where atoning for some persons means putting at one what was divided, what was scattered abroad, we might say. So that's really what atonement is about. It, it is about a covering of the gaps between something, as it were. It's almost like flex seal. <laughs> you know, those old, I don't think I've ever used flex seal or seen it in my life, but I remember the commercials where um, <laughs> the... <laughs> And in those commercials, Flexio was presented as bridging the gap between two pretty much impossible things to connect, right? Where um, <laughs> I think he plugged a leaking boat even, something like that, where he was, he was putting at one again what was divided. And that's a lot of actually what atonement is about. It's about putting at one two things that are divided. Now, when, when we talk about the atonement, with a capital A. We're talking about what Jesus did on the cross, where he atoned between God and humans, between humans and true life himself. There are several different theories of the atonement. There, there are different theories about what happened in that moment. The one that you're probably most familiar with is called penal substitutionary atonement. And penal substitutionary atonement essentially says that Jesus paid my sin debt with God, okay? So that's that's penal substitutionary atonement. That's how most uh, Christians in our context think of what happened there on the cross. And that's not wrong, but it's also not all of it. Like we've been saying about an honor and shame dynamic versus a guilt and innocence dynamic. If we understand the gospel only in this one way, it's kind of like only eating grilled chicken for our entire lives. <laughs> like it's good, for us. It's it's healthy, but also on its own, it's really not healthy. So we won't dive into this fully at this point, but I will tell you that there are several other theories of the atonement, and these theories are not mutually exclusive. They can exist together, and Jesus could have done multiples of, of these on the cross at the same time, and I, I think he did. Um, there are different theories like Christus Victor, which essentially says that Jesus defeated evil. He defeated Satan. You can kind of see this in like Colossians 2.15, where he disarmed the principalities and powers, triumphing over them. He he beat evil. Um, he beat these evil forces of Satan. There's also um, theories about uh, basically re recapitulation is was what they're called. And essentially what this is, is that Jesus defeated death in his cross event. 
And you can see that in 1 Corinthians 15, right? So all of these are, are biblical. They trace back to, um, not that every atonement theory is biblical <laughs> or valid, but there are, so, there are several different ways of understanding what Jesus did on the cross that can deepen our understanding. Um, there's also moral influence theory where um, <clears throat> Jesus dies there to uh, influence the morality of humans, essentially. And so that, that one's also one to help us understand um, a, a little bit of a deeper perspective. So anyway, I, I say all of that to say there, there are a lot of uh, atonement theories that can help deepen our perspective on the cross and what happened there. And if we only focus on penal substitutionary atonement, then we're missing the depth of the cross. It's almost like we're looking at a 2D image rather than a 3D or a 4D image. And essentially, um, I do want to clarify on the moral influence theory. And you, this, in a lot of ways, is credited to Avalard if you want to look up uh, a little bit more about this. But essentially, that theory purports that Jesus died as a demonstration of God's love. But the change that occurs happens in the subjective consciousness of the sinners. Okay, so his death changes our conception of ourselves. And I would say that's probably not the only <laughs> valid perspective on atonement, but it is one where Jesus's death changes things about who we are, about how we think about ourselves. Like Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me, right? Jesus's death changed something about Paul's self-image. So there, there are several different atonement theories, and this actually, you know, I'm you might can tell I'm just riffing on this episode. <laughs> I just want to get out a few thoughts to conclude our series. But this this accidental atonement side uh, uh, rabbit trail <laughs> actually ties in very well with our discussion of honor and shame and guilt and innocence. And we might also bring a third part into this equation, and that is fear. And those are really humanity's problems. Like those are our, th that's our three headed beast that we have to face like fluffy and Harry Potter. <laughs> if you think about it, um, and it, it kind of like fluffy, this three headed beast has a lot of bark and bite. Fluffy's like that huge dog that they had to face. I think like in the first, uh, first book or movie, whatever your perspective is, the books were so much better. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's kind of like fluffy where there's a lot of bark and bite, but, Christ has already conquered. Christ has conquered fear. I mean, he defeated evil and Satan, Colossians 2, right? Christ has conquered guilt. He has been a substitutionary, um, he, he has substitutionarily borne the penalty for our sins. Christ has conquered shame. He took our place. He shared in and overcame the shame of death through his resurrection. You might have heard the famous quote from Athanasius, for he was made man so that we might become God. And obviously, he, not literally becoming God himself, but like Peter says in 2 Peter, that we can become partakers of the divine nature. Christ took on our shame to take it away from us. And this ties in with honor and shame because as we present the gospel to different cultures, um, we have to understand that different aspects of the gospel are going to appeal more effectively to different cultures. And I, I hope we don't think of this as marketing or manipulation. Rather, 
what I think it is, if we're doing it in a Christ-like fashion, is to say this gospel, this atonement, this message that we have, this good news, is awesome. <laughs> and it can change lives no matter what culture we live in. And we always have to try to escape from our cultural blind spots, escape from our cultural boundaries. And I will actually say, as a side note here, I hope what you'll do with this, these thoughts of honor and shame and guilt and innocence is not just take my word for all of this, but I hope you'll dive deeper into this. Because if, if you've only been exposed to this through this podcast, then you're hearing one uh, white guy <laughs> who's lived in various parts of the deep South in the United States for his entire life. And I try to read and research and listen widely. And, and so hopefully I'm providing somewhat of a balanced perspective, but there's only so much that one person can do. And I think Christ calls us to radical humility and love, where we want to listen to people who are different than us, to people who think differently than us, no matter how uncomfortable it sometimes makes us feel. Because even if we don't agree in the end, we, we at least owe each other, as fellow images of God, the dignity of listening, truly listening, not, not just to prove someone wrong, not just to earn their listening in return so they can listen to how right I am, but truly to listen, to love each other, to show honor to each other. As Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Those two things tie together. As we honor each other, truly, we love each other. And as we love each other, we honor each other. But anyway, back to our, our conversation about using various um, aspects of what happened at the cross, of the atonement of the gospel to appeal to different cultures. So someone who is living in a shame culture might be better appealed to by talking about how Jesus takes away our shame. Someone who's living in a fear-based culture might be better appealed to by saying, hey, Jesus defeated these evil principalities and powers, these evil forces. He took away their power. He disarmed them. We don't have to be afraid of them. Someone who's living in a guilt-based culture, we can say, Jesus takes away your guilt. He takes it on himself so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you see what I'm saying? Where people who think differently um, can be met in different places by God himself. And God has done this with us. He met us in the form of a human, of all things. <laughs> he became flesh. And, and not any flesh, he, he became this bondservant, this lowest of the low, this person who existed amongst the marginalized of his society. He became that. And, and when he speaks in the form of what we call the Bible. He gives it to us, and specifically the New Testament. He gives us Kone Greek, right? <laughs> Seems to be what most of the Bible was originally written in, uh, the New Testament, that is. Kone Greek, common Greek. He spoke to us in our common language, God meets us in a lot of ways where we're at, and we can do the same thing with the gospel. As we share the gospel, we all hopefully come to understand it more fully, right? 
like hopefully even this podcast episode has helped you to understand that there if if you didn't understand you know if you hadn't heard of these already then hopefully this has exposed you to a new side of what we think of as the good news that will hopefully inspire you to dig deeper and understand more about what Jesus did on the cross for us but also we don't have to understand every single theory of the atonement to be saved, right? (laughs) And so as we appeal to people who come from different cultures, and specifically for this series, as as people come from different honor and shame cultures and guilt and innocence cultures and fear and courage-based cultures, I guess. I I never thought about the alternative to fear there, but maybe maybe courage. Uh, Either way, as people come from different places, God can meet them through us in those different places and say, God has taken away your shame. God honors you. God has taken away your guilt. He declares you innocent. God has taken away your fear. He declares you fearless. <laughs> that, that needs work. But anyway, it's true. Where God meets us in all of these cultures and changes us within those cultures. So I hope I hope you'll take this, take this away from this little series that more than just a type of Uh, anthropological study or sociological study where we're understanding different types of human cultures, which is true. And and I should say that there is no such thing as a purely honor and shame culture. There's no such thing as a guilt and innocence culture. We all have various aspects of some. Most cultures, maybe all cultures, are weighted more heavily toward one dynamic than another. But even our culture, which I've cast in this series as a guilt and innocence culture, has heavy aspects of honor and shame. We honor. We honor people all the time. <laughs> we have banquets to honor people. And we shame people, right? There's this whole cancel culture in our world that is absolutely shame at work. So we don't want to pretend that our culture is is 100% guilt and innocence if you're listening and you live in the deep south of the American United States. And we don't want to pretend that other cultures are purely fear-based uh, or shame and honor-based. But either way, we are all coming at this from our own unique perspectives. And the big point that I hope you'll take away from this is that God meets us where we're at, almost like golf clubs. <laughs> you can take golf clubs out of your bag, depending on where you're at on the course, depending on what is needed in the moment. You take maybe a nine iron out. You take maybe a three wood out, depending on where you're at. Like if you take your driver out when you're two feet from the pin, it's going to be entertaining, but it's not the best way to play golf. (laughs) And in the same way, as we try to share the good news about Jesus to people who are different than us, first of all, I hope you'll take away that we, we must have this radical spirit of hospitality and love and honor for the people around us, radical humility that says, I want to listen to you as you listen to me. Not that I'm better than you, not that I'm just more intelligent than you, but that we're all in this together as the human race, and we're trying to grow together to become closer to God, whether we realize it or not, whether we believe in God or not. I think that's what we're all searching for. We're all searching for atonement with God. So I hope you'll take away that just as in golf, and for me, disc golf is my love, so just as in disc golf as well, it's foolish to putt with a driver. In the same way, as we try to share the good news about what Jesus did 
and is doing and will do for us. We don't have to pull out the three wood every single time, as great as the three wood is. And that's honestly probably the club I work best with, (laughs) as great as it is. It's not the only club that we have to work with. So I hope you'll take inspiration from this and dive deeper than we have, even in this four or five, whatever it is, part mini series at this point. Dive deeper and love better and share better. Listen more, (laughs) talk less. And I think when we do that, we'll actually become more like Jesus. So let's go out because that's the spirit of a true Bible stormer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.